He's the youngest head coach in the league and perhaps in Asian football. Gavin Lee is our guest on this episode. Tampanese Rovers head coach Gavin Lee is here and we trace the steps he's taken to become a coach of a professional team at just 29. What's his coaching philosophy and what does Gavin do on a day-to-day basis? All that and more on this episode. Hi and welcome to the final whistle. This is Deepan. This is Kabir. Today's episode is powered by ActiveFit. ActiveFit is an online sports and fitness store providing apparels, equipment, as well as recovery tools, which is a forgotten but essential element for fitness enthusiasts. You can now enjoy a discount of 10% when you shop with ActiveFit if you use our unique promo code, hashtag TFinalWhistle. Visit ActiveFit.com now. Kabir, last week we had uh, Jita Singh in the studio. Uh, this week is a bit of a contrast because uh, I want to bring you on the term disruptor. Last week we had a pioneer. Mm. This week is a disruptor. Yeah. Uh, do you first and foremost find it a dis- disrespectful word to use? Uh, and before you answer me, uh, by definition, a disruptor is people or perhaps services that um, displace the usual existing conditions in, an, in a state industry or, or sector. So yeah, do you think the word disruptor is disrespectful mm. to use? Uh, it may not be the worst thing, but um, it's a free word. Uh, if you... If, if you're good enough, you're good enough. If you're not good enough, you're gone. And disrupt- disruptors usually break the mold and people are just salty about it. La. I mean, what are they disrupting? If it's if it works, it works. La. I mean, what uh, are they disrupting your prehistoric um, methods or your philosophies or anything? If it, Football is the most popular sport in the world and there's bound to be outsiders, if you can call it that, coming in and introducing something fresh and new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when when you speak about outsiders, uh, one outsider is Jose Mourinho. I think even till today, there are yeah. people who look at him as like, what's he doing as a coach? Mm. Uh, he's an imitator more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, we have Julian Nagelsmann, who's uh, referred to as a laptop coach, whatever that means. You mm. know, people people who have not played the game at a professional level before, and then people think that these guys shouldn't be coaches. And in that mold, we have someone today who, you know, he's he's basically. Uh, disrupted the, the Singapore football scene in a sense mm. and in a good way in a good way a I'm not I'm way. not saying this just because he's here uh, but you would have heard me say um, talk about how Tampines Rovers are playing amazing yeah, football under his charge uh, he's only 30 uh, just recently turned 30 but he's already led Tampines to the Singapore Cup and I dare say he's one of the most promising young coaches in, in Asia mm. uh, welcome to the show Gavin Lee uh, <laughs> how do you feel about the term disruptor first and foremost yeah, I think um, every industry has your disruptors. Um, the it is up to the the disruptors to to set the benchmark and to prove themselves at the stage that they are they are competing basically. So, so yeah, I I don't think it's uh, disrespectful because hopefully in in years down the road I'm still coaching and there would be young uh, a new generation of coaches coming in. You know, mm-hmm. uh, football as in everything in life is always evolving, is is, is changing. So yeah. Before Gavin came into the, the role as a Tampines coach, of course, uh, the, the youngest previously to that was Kiryu Kamis, who took charge at Balestre Khalsa. He was 34 when he took charge. How old are you now? I just turned 32 weeks ago. 32 Happy weeks birthday, ago. 
Thank you. <laughs> and um, let's start off right back at the start where we, where we always ask our guests, uh, where did football start for you? Uh, of course, I'm sure uh, when you started playing football, it was to be with the ambitions to be a player. Uh, who introduced you to football? So a little bit of context. I think my, my dad is a football coach. Um, so he used to bring me around for his games or his coaching sessions. And, and I think football has been a big part of my life since. Right, since, since as young as I can remember. Um, and when I was younger, of course, my, my dream was to be a professional footballer. And at the time, I don't know if you guys remember the goal 2010. Mm. So I did the math, right? So I was like, okay, 2010, I'll be 20 years old. Oh, I got a good chance. <laughs> but then after my first international tournament overseas with um, the, the national team, then I realized, okay, <laughs> maybe the, the dream is a little bit far-fetched. But, but, but still, you know, I, I, I was very passionate. I, I, I enjoyed watching Ronaldo previous Ronaldo mm. and then Beckham and I really emulate what they did on the pitch how they wore their boots just like all other footballers right you look at their kit how they make their hair how they tuck in the shirt um, how they take the free kicks and, and those those were very strong memories that I had uh, and that just pushed me on to, to do extra when I was younger in the park you know practicing my kicks and mm. stuff like that so so yeah my, my dad was definitely a, a big driver consciously or unconsciously I don't know but yeah, football has been with me since. Your dad was quite big in the youth football scene, right? So he, his name is... Yeah, my, my, my dad's name is Lawrence. He, he used to coach Tampanese youth teams, actually. Mm -hmm. So I think like he worked with Shadon when Shadon was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and then there, there, there are obviously other players uh, that, that have gone through the ranks with, with him when, when they were younger. So, you know, when, when you're the son of a coach, you just follow the coach around, right? You follow your dad around and, and then you'll be at training sessions, you'll be watching, you'll be kicking, you'll be the, the, the extra player if they need. And so, so I was always in football since, since the very beginning. So you were still talented enough to make up um, the national youth teams. So which age group was that? <laughs> yeah, I was open and <laughs> talented enough. But yeah, so I was with Haris, um, Hafiz, Izwan, Afik Yunus, who else? Gabriel Quack, Isden, mm -hmm. uh, Farid. So, mm -hmm. so that was that 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 group, um, and and we started I think under thirteens, and then I stopped when I was fifteen or sixteen because I was going to O levels, uh, and then I also realized at some point that I was not going to be good enough. Well, I I I guess I can be good enough, but I won't be like. Haris <laughs> or Hafiz back then, yeah, and 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 those guys, right? So, and I knew that I couldn't deliver the academic results because I was in Victoria School, yeah. and so the the demands were, were were relatively higher, and so I made the decision. Oh, at <laughs> yeah, no, that that choice was taken out of my hands, right? So, um, I put the blame on my dad in that sense. So, so yeah, so. So, so I decided, okay, focus on the academics. I spoke to Coach Kade, who was my coach, at, uh, our coach at that time. And I said, look, Coach, maybe I, it's best I, I focus on my study. He asked me to reconsider, but he respected my decision. He wanted me to stay, but I said, no, okay. And then, but I'll go and play for Tampines because it's near my home. And I, and, and the coach allowed, the coach there and Coach Siva Lingam, and I'm not sure if you guys know, mm. he allowed me to train lesser than normal and, and just play games. So, so yeah. So was it a conscious decision to when you decided to drop out of, of that of the NFA or whatever you call it to realize that you were probably no longer going to chase the dream to be a professional player? Yeah, I think at that point, I okay, I, 
again, now looking back, I would think it's a conscious decision, but it might it might just be something that that I felt at the time, but not really understanding what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I couldn't cope, right? Again, I, I know there are many athletes and footballers that, that have done, have been able to do both, but I wasn't one of them, right? I'll be honest with that. Because I was struggling, I was tired in class, I was tired in training, I was like, oh, Somebody help me, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And and at, at some point, I was losing the the fun. Oh. You know, when you play for it's really for the fun. Yeah. At that point, there, there was a certain period where I struggled emotionally there to cope with the demands and, and stuff like that. So I, you know, now looking back, it's it's the best decision that I made. So that, this was probably 16? Yeah. At 16. So at 16, you've decided that, you know, probably I'm not going to, I don't really want to be a football player. So when did that decision arrive to perhaps take an interest in coaching? Or was it always there even when you were playing? So, so I often reflect about this, but I cannot pinpoint to a time where I made a, a, the snap. Okay, this is the, the... Because, again, going back to my dad, right? So I grew up watching a dad, uh, watching a coach, following a coach all the time. So I think unconsciously that, 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 that somewhere in my head, right? And I remember uh, when I was in Victoria School, I think Sec 3 or Sec 4, I was already I was already drawing training exercises, mm. right? I was like X's and O's, are, but it's very simplistic. But I was already doing that. Like you know, in class sometimes you don't listen to teachers, right? Then you'll be drawing or you'll be doing something, mm. right? And Sorry, I can't I, relate. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, <laughs> but but for me it's like you know when I zone out, right? I'll be doing X's and O's, you mm. know, one two patterns and and all that kind of thing. So mm. so looking back at it now, then it might have started maybe then you know mm-hmm. because of my of my dad so what steps did you then take to really get into coaching mm, again i was fortunate enough i followed around my dad coaching and and i did some assistant jobs you know with with all the young kids at camps and stuff like that and 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 so it started maybe again 16 17 years old and then i i joined um gssl arsenal back then it was called gssl arsenal because my dad was coaching there mm-hmm. and i i began as an under fives coach i think that was maybe during army or slightly after so you know then i grew the interest i from under fives i got to under six <laughs> under eights under tens and then that 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 passion just grew even further right mm-hmm. and i i kind of enjoyed it and and i wanted to and i thought about okay maybe this this can be a career and then uni came, right? Or doing army, you have to decide where you're. And so being the the typical Singaporean in that sense, I, I knew I had to get my paper. Uh, it's quite important in the family. The first, first I'll, I'll be the first, uh, let's say, uh, first one in the family to 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 graduate, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, my sister has gone on to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. So she's done better than me, but I choose to say I set the bar lower so that she can shine more. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> exactly. But but yeah, so so I was like, okay, what degree can help me with coaching? Oh, so you actually did think of that. Which yeah. is what I was going to ask you. So your decision to go into NTU and take up the degree which was yeah. in sports. Uh, uh, sports science. Sports science was because you did think of yourself yeah. as a coach. Because I was like, okay, I, I've got all this. I can go do economics. I can do business. Mm-hmm. I can do, but I don't enjoy it. I, I, yeah. I don't really like it. So there's sports science. I was like, okay, this can help with my coaching. But at that time, I, I didn't know how it would help my coaching or help help me in my journey. I, I didn't know that. But mm-hmm. I just connected the dots in the sense, sports science, football, ah, might work <laughs> out. <laughs> and so off I go. And off I went and, 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 and 
having that passion in coaching really helped my helped me with my four years at NTU. Because everything that I was doing in class, I was like, okay, how does this relate to football? How does this relate to, to coaching? And mm-hmm. so when my classmates were finding it a drag or they find it a difficulty in like classes exam, I, I found it a, a little bit more um, easier, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because there was, it, it meant something more to me. And right. so that was that, that period of my journey. So as a youth football coach at that time, you know, um, is it boring? I mean, from <laughs> the outside looking in, when you manage uh, kids, sometimes it looks like a very frustrating thing to do. So at that time, what was the lure for you? Um, it is challenging, but it's not frustrating. I think frustration only comes in depending on your expectations that you set on 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 the on the kids. Mm-hmm. So if it's a recreational group, a grassroots uh, level, for example, then obviously your your expectations or your desired outcomes for the group is a lot, let's say, lower than let's say a, a group that can play or are more talented. So with when you manage your expectations like that and you 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 seek for different kind of learning outcomes, then you know you can find meaning in that as well. And and I I was driven by that. You know when I can see the players improving, uh, let's say decision making or their passing or their dribbling, you know you get a lot of satisfaction. Um, and then when when even those youth teams or grassroots teams, then I got the chance to to manage teams when we take part in the league. And then you know that 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 just fueled even more 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 passion in me because mm-hmm. like okay how can I teach my 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 players to understand this how can I teach the players that so that they can do that in the game does my training help to improve what they're doing correct me if I'm wrong but you've had um you you have players like when when they were young who are playing senior football right now right um overseas yes yeah, so well not. I don't think senior football yet. Oh, okay. Um, Harry McCoy, I think is with Rio Ave, 21s, mm-hmm. under-21s. Dennis Parkinson is with Porto, 16s. So all your players? Yeah, Cristiano is with uh, Boavista. Arisa, she she played for US 16s, I think, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Felix Goda is with Man City now, under-16 as well, I think, goalkeeper. Sick man. <laughs> um, so 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 that was a good group that 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 came, that came through at one point of time. Mm-hmm. So would you say that um your satisfaction also stems from the fact that, uh, on a personal level, yeah, like you just mentioned all these players who are at a good, at good clubs, academies, uh, outside of Singapore. But what about on a personal level when they do not actually uh, pursue football, they probably drop out of football and all. Uh, do you also feel like it's important that you inculcate good values in them? Do you think that's an important thing for youth coach? No, de- definitely. I think uh, the the objective for youth coaches, I think, two things, right? One, you want to improve the football ability of the of the of the player, but at the same time, um, he must be gaining the right values. That that again, you know, it's only like less than one percent of the players from academies that make it up into the yeah. professional world, right? Yeah. So, how are you helping the ninety nine point nine percent of the other players who don't make mm-hmm. it? Um. I get a lot of satisfaction when my my the the youth players back then still keep in touch with me, even though that they are not let's say playing in in the European teams or or football or it's nice you know when you and you know you have built a relationship and he has sustained over time, you know because then then it shows that the the hours that you put in with them, uh, is was worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it goes beyond football. Yeah, it goes beyond football, definitely. In anything that we do, there always comes a time where we realize whether we are good enough to do it or otherwise. 
for yourself, when did you start to realize that um, you're not too bad at coaching? Is something that you could really pursue as a as a real career? Mm, I think um, that was probably after I met uh, Alex Alex Weaver. Mm-hmm. So at uh, so a, a few things like coincided in a in kind of a perfect scenario for me. So at that time, I just saw Harvey. Credit to him gave me um, a lot of opportunities and a lot of trust in terms of he told me, okay, Gaff, this is what we want to do in terms of setting up Elite Academy back then. Sorry, Harvey is the owner of Jesse. Yeah. Yes. He said, like, okay, Gaff, this is what we want to do. Set up the academy, right? That how how you want to do it, you go and experiment and basically I've got a blank page. Oh, okay. So that opportunity was very, very important, right? So and kudos to him because he gave, let's say, at that, at that time, 22, 23 year old guy with no really big experience. Um, the keys to 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 this project, right? And then at the at the same time, I wrote out to Alex, and I met Alex, and Alex just guided me. Like I had all the energy, all the excitement, all that desire, and all the passion, blah blah blah. And Alex was just saying, "Okay, Gaff, go in this direction." You know, and and I learned a lot from him. I learned, I I followed the path that he kind of showed me towards too. And so you know, those factors during then, then I was starting. I think I was improving as a coach. And and I think at that point of time I was like, oh, okay, I think I think okay, I might be able to go somewhere. With it. But at that time I didn't think I was going to be a head coach, mm-hmm. right? At the time, like okay, I want to be the best. I want I wanted to be the best youth coach um, that I can be, mm. right? So I was thinking, okay, can I can I make a move into Europe at any chance within the academy system? How can I get there? Mm-hmm. And and it kind of came close, right? Because I coached at Fulham for a month. There was an exchange. Uh, one of the Fulham coach came and came over and take my team, and and I went over and take and take take um his teams in that sense. So so it was close at that time, and um and then yeah, and then senior football came. So of course this is a very self assessment based kind of thing. But uh, were there words of affirmation from people who you respected that uh, led you to believe that you could do this uh, on a full time basis? So um who were what are these some conversations that you had at that time to realize that. If this guy thinks I'm good, I should be good. Oh, um, I guess um, the affirmations from from Harvey and Alex at that time were were very important for me because it is not an easy journey, right? There, there, there are a lot of challenges and obstacles, and 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 the hours are very long in that sense. And but but you know when you get um, encouraging messages and advice from 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 like minded people, it just mm-hmm. push you on a little bit more. You know, and at that time, it was it was important. It was very very important. So so yeah. So it's good. It it's important to have a good mentor. But why did you choose? Why did you write up to Alex instead of all the other coaches that we have? Um. Okay, so at that time, I was I was trying to figure out periodization, mm. right? I I read a lot of it in the scientific world. And I wanted to see how it was applied in football. Okay, so what is that? Uh, so periodization is just basically planning your football activities, just planning okay. your football uh, uh, volume load yeah. and tactically how you. So so that, that's all the planning stuff. So I was in a I, I had a very curious mind and and I wanted to to go and observe myself. Mm. So when Alex in one of the new paper article he he. He in his comment he was talking about periodization. I was like, ah, okay. Uh, let me try to get his contact. So I got his contact and I wrote in like, hi, Mr. Weaver. I'm. Can I come? I I 
I saw your comment at paper about periodization. Can I come down and observe? And and he 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 replied straight. We say yeah, no problem. So I went down. Uh, after I went down once, we spoke about uh, we we had conversation and it went on again, went on again, and I just kept going on as much as he, um, my calendar was was free, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and so because of his generosity, then I had the chance. So looking back now, um, do you feel like without Alex Weaver's uh input and advice to you? Do you think that you possibly would have come this far? It is not just him. <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of important people along the way. It's like mm-hmm. I think my dad and my formative uh, years, and then Kade when when I was in NFA, Kade showed me a whole new side of coaching when I was mm-hmm. the, uh, you know when I was in my teenage years because he he came in and and there were video sessions, there were tactical sessions that I would never exposed to before. I didn't have experience, right? And then obviously Harvey and Alex came at a very important time. And then not forgetting Desmond, who's the chairman now, uh, playing a very important role in, in, in my journey so far. Because again, he is the one that um, has given me the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. But because again, if you put yourself as a club chairman, it's quite a crazy decision to, <laughs> to, to appoint someone yeah. who's young and, and, and um, unproven in that sense. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of these people message with their messages with their with their support has has allowed me to to get to where I am today yep uh of course one question that most coaches get asked and it's something that I've I've spoken to you many times but I've not asked you this which is what exactly is your philosophy could you <laughs> describe it to us in a as as much as possible in a very lemon way like so that someone can understand it because I think when when people talk about philosophy, yeah. right, they, they get too into details and yeah. all. But for us to understand, yeah. how can you describe also, it? Also, is philosophy overrated? Okay, so <laughs> so philosoph- philosophy is a very grey word because a lot of people have different interpretations of the word mm. philosophy, right? But basically, how I see is the way I operate is, is these two things, right? I Firstly, I think we've got a very clear game model, which means we are very clear about how we want to play. Mm. And this means how we want to play in all the different moments of the game and different p- parts of the pitch, right? So, so there, there, are, there are key principles that, that we want to have in defending, attacking, transitioning, blah, blah, blah. Right? So that's the game model. We have a very clear game model. Secondly, I think we've got a very clear methodology. Mm. So that is how we want to teach, how we want to play. So mm. I think this is the two two things that, that we have a lot of clarity in and, and I think that has helped us with our performances so far. Mm-hmm. You know, because our, our training is, uh, if you speak to the players, they, they they are put in a lot of pressure situations. You know, like like there's a lot of competition. Their brains are overloaded regularly because we want them to be uncomfortable in, uh, sorry, we want them to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Right, because the more that you live in pressure, then when you go out there on a game day, then you know you you can adapt to the what's around you a lot easier. So when you when you talk about this um, idea of football that you want to play, uh, does it stem from somewhere? Does it is it a combination of certain things that you look at uh, before you start your coaching career, and then you pick and choose from certain managers or certain philosophies or certain matches that you see? So where does it come from? So so of course when when, when I first started. Um, coaching and then I would look up to, to all the top managers and then um, 
at that time, very simplistically, it's like, okay, what formation do they play? Right? Then from there, I evolved to, okay, what is their style? That means, what do they do um, during certain parts of the game, certain areas of the pitch? And then I evolved to the next stage, which I think is more important. It's like, why do they do it? You know, again, I, I don't know if my answers are correct for sure because without asking them, I, I don't know if, if my interpretation is, is right. But by asking a lot of the why questions and I gain more clarity of the game itself. You know, and then I, with, with reading, with, with more, I, I watch more games, I did game studies and then I, I just built like a library of, of references in my head. Right? And then I started to ask myself even more questions um, as to, okay, so how do I want my team to play from the back? Like, why do I want, want my team to play from the back? Mm. So everything that I ask myself, I need to have a, justifiable objective reason to it otherwise I don't do it mm -hmm. you know it's not like building up for the back for the sake of building up for the back mm. uh, it, is, it is not about um, playing crosses for the sake of playing crosses it's, it's like why why, why do we do it right and, and that translates into training and, and how we how we play mm -hmm. fantastic answer but more than just tactics uh, I think for a team for a football team what is important is also the aspect of building a personal relationship with players uh, how do you manage that side of things? And and before you answer that, uh, in terms of personal relationships, one thing that you have to have is respect from the players, right? So when you came in at 29, <laughs> you get this question a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. When you came in at 29, first yeah. and foremost, be honest, did you, did you feel like um, some of the players and some of the, 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 the older people at the club did not really look at you as someone who, hmm, who's this guy? Do you feel that way? Okay, so to be fair, I was with the club in 2018. I was assisting Jürgen. Mm -hmm. So back then, I had developed relationships with uh, Farah, Dan. Dan I knew from Warriors, right? Wanch I knew from Warriors. Fuzzy I knew from Warriors as well. Um, and then, uh, so, but with the rest of the senior players like Jordan, for example, and then we started to, to, to develop relationships and understanding, right? And, and the new... I guess they, they knew what I was capable of. Yeah. And and when I was given the, the job, um, I remember the first training, I, I, I didn't say much. I said, let's go and train. You're not here to listen to me talk. Mm. You're here to play football. And and I think consciously, I just tried to let my work do the speaking to the team, mm. basically. You know, because I believe that coaches sometimes don't, the less we, we speak might be the better, mm. right? Because ultimately, the players are the one that plays that they plays the, the the game. During the when, when match time, I've got no ability to to influence them. Not not much at least, right? Mm. And so the most important for me is can I design sessions that that allow the players to train the way we play, so that they are unconsciously uh, uh, executing actions that that. I that that I think it's important for the team, mm -hmm. so that is kind of that has always been my approach, you know. Um, so so, I think when the players, oh, I choose to think that the players sees that I think I put in quite a bit of work into the team, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of planning the session and, and all. Then when when they see that the coach is working his socks off, then that I have the trust. You know, because I give them the trust, and 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 now and now they trust me as well because they see my body of work mm -hmm. and what I'm doing for them, and I have conversations with them which I, which I, try to be very sincere and honest to everyone, right? Regardless of your standing in a team, and and for me, maintaining those individual relationship is important, 
But at the same time, I have been very fortunate in the sense the the senior players that are in the team, uh, the names that I just mentioned, right? Um, they are like Shadan last year as well, Yase, who's a fantastic captain this year, by the way. Um, they they have, we we all have a very good relationship, very honest relationship, uh, and we know to draw the line when we step on the pitch. Uh, yeah. Off the pitch, because of my age, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so I, I always say like, okay, if you're older than me, yeah, you say what you want, but if you're younger than me, you shut up and listen. But, <laughs> but you know, but jokingly, um, but on the pitch, they understand, okay, we all have a mission to get as a team. We all have a job to do and, and let's respect what we need to do in order to achieve what we want to achieve. And with that common understanding, then, you know, um, to be honest, I, I haven't had any issues with any of the senior players at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's surprising, I know, because like last year we had Amri, Shadan, and Dan. So, so people say, oh, you got all the, the national team players, all the big names. And and was it, have you had any problems? What problems did you face? I'm like, um, no. They're actually the <laughs> most um, professional players, like one shot, top professional, right? Same as that, Madhu and all. So, so I, I never had an issue with them, but it's more of the young ones setting a standard for them, showing them the ropes, showing them that what they need to do to get to where the lights of Dan and Bai and all have been. Yep. You know, so so credit to, to the senior boys who have made my introduction quite quite easy, I must say. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, do you are you more strict with the younger players? Um No, I well to to be fair, I hold the players accountable for their actions, right? Mm. Regardless of your senior. But the fact is, I don't have to hold the senior ones accountable as often as the younger ones. Mm. Because the, the senior ones are, they understand that this is their vocation, this is their job, mm. right? So that's why they always be on time. They always do their best. They, 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 they won't complain. They won't miss any appointments or anything. Mm. But for the younger ones, they've come out from an environment where Ah, okay, it's, it's just, you know, fun. I'm meeting my friends and, and they, they're not very serious mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. They they, are, they haven't been in a situation where the demands are greater, like like professional football, for example, right? So, again, yes, we want to be stricter on them because we want them to understand the standards. But at the same time, we need to, to, to again, understand from, from their perspective, like they are learning as well. Mm. right mm-hmm. so like, like I would say like on the pitch as well we have made mistakes that have ended up in goals and all like it's okay if we make mistakes as long as we've done our best and we learn from the mistake right we cannot be making the same mistake over and over then we have a problem mm. but if you make a mistake goal it's okay we move on and and the team knows that right and, and I think we have a culture now in the team where we don't blame individuals because we know that for example, if you watch a game on, on on one of our games and let's say we consider a goal, it's very easy to pinpoint the, the last defender or the goalkeeper. Oh, his fault. Like, he mm-hmm. missed the ball or he missed clear. But for us, it's, okay, let's take 10 steps back. How did the ball get to this area in the first place? Did our strikers not press well enough? Did our midfielders um, not block centre enough? Right? So when we understand that we defend as a team and we attack as a team, then... You know, we, we don't lay blame, like we accept blame together as a team and, and, and that's important. Mm-hmm. But it starts from the coaching team as well. You know, when I mess it up, I have to be bent enough and say, okay, guys, I, I think I made a mistake with this. Yeah. So it, it's a two-way thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I cannot st- uh, stand up there and just um, 
look down on them all the time and say, ah, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's the team fault, but then I don't accept any blame. When... So so yeah, that that is kind of the approach and the culture that we are trying to set in the in the club. But mm. how difficult it is to not blame the player? Like if it's obviously his fault. No, okay. Obviously there's... You... There, <laughs> so there, so there. I think maybe the, the uh, extension of the question is, we know, or rather I know that in, in football dressing rooms, egos can be a big thing. How do you tell someone that, um, you know, look, dude, it's your fault. Um, you shouldn't be doing this in the game. Uh, and then, you know, how do you communicate it to an extent where the, the player takes it in a good way and not a negative way? Okay, uh, I get your question. So, so let, let's, not, let's not talk about half-time yet, right? So let's mm-hmm. say full-time, mm-hmm. right? You can ask the team. I rarely talk to the team after the game. <laughs> I rarely, uh. rarely. And, and my reasons are, after the game, everyone, everyone's brain state is, can be anywhere. Very, very high because we won. Or very angry, very frustrated, very low because we lost or let's say performance wasn't good. And when, and when everyone is not calm, it's not the best time to have a discussion mm. because it will go nowhere because your emotions are talking and and then uh, people will get defensive and all. So what we do is the next training back, we we speak about what happened in the game, but with video. So our video sessions are very important to us because when, when I pull out a video, right, it's objective. It's not like you think, I think, he think. No, it's like, Look at the picture. Mm-hmm. So nobody can run away from the truth, mm-hmm. right? But but I'm showing the truth not to, not to put blame on the players, but to show them this is the error and we need to learn from it and we cannot let it happen again. Because again, when we, we cannot say we win as a team, but, but then when we lose, it's individual errors. Yeah. No, we win as a team, we lose as a team. And and if we score goals, we score as a team. Yeah, Jordan Webb or Boris might might add the finishing touch to it, but it started from somewhere, and hopefully it started from Shazwan at the back or mm-hmm. Pai at the back. Mm-hmm. But if we concede a goal, it's not goalkeeper's fault. Did our strikers do the pressing well? So so that with that understanding, the the team, the I I think that the players are starting to appreciate um, the concept of a team even more. You know, it's very easy to say. It's very easy to say, yeah, football is a team game. It's very easy to say. But actually accepting the 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 fact that when when you do well, you have to share the the credit. And when you when we lose, we have to accept blame together. That's the challenge. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh describe to us a, a typical day in the life of Gavin Lee. So on a on a match day, uh what do you do? So I think Let's talk about from the match itself. So uh, maybe one hour before the match, I think you guys report to the stadium and all. So from there, how does your day go? So from there, mm. but uh, we'll, we'll get to a non-match day uh, later can't on. Remember, but, bro, it's been so long this is yeah. the match. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's true. So so basically, we the, the team reports to the stadium. Uh, I think two hours before a game. Okay, two hours. Um, ninety minutes before we would. Again, I, I think I might have messed up the timing. I, I cannot remember. Mm. But I, I think 90 minutes before the game, we have our team meeting, our last meeting. So what do you do during this team meeting? Um, uh, we, we run through our final... I uh, don't know. We, we run through our strategies. Like just quick reminders. Mm-hmm. The lineups, the, the, the set plays, positioning, and then anything I, I, I need to reinforce to the team in terms of what they need to think of in the game and how they need to think and, and stuff like that. There's a 10 minutes meeting. Mm-hmm. 
So so it's not like uh it's not it's not long, just short animations, pictures and and and, and we go. And, and who prepares this? You? Yeah. Okay. So the so like the earlier part of the day is where I I'll be in the office from morning to just prepare everything, right? The slides, um, the slides, the animation, the lineups, um, and then the speech. I I I prepare every speech that, that we have on game day. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need to make sure I know what I want to say and how I want to say and when I want to say what. Mm. You know, like like they say in, in, in speech, sometimes you need to raise your tone or or certain gestures mm. to help reinforce ideas. And so I, I I put a little bit more attention to that. And then once the meeting is done, then that that is where I get a little bit bored, right? <laughs> because nothing for me to do really. The players will go and get changed. Um Farah, really, they will go set up the warm-up areas. And then at warm-up time, the players will go out with Farah. They'll do the warm-ups. I'll be there observing, having chats with indi- individual players. So I'll just look out for their body language. So if certain players are young players, especially if they are show- showing a little bit of like nervousness or, mm-hmm. you know, like a bit excited, then I'll maybe say, I crack a joke with them. Like, hey, you know, and, and or with a senior player, I might just talk to them. J- just have a feel of how they are thinking and how they are. Mm-hmm. And do I need to do anything to help them to reframe their thinking to get into the zone in, in, in that sense? So at that point of time, it's too late to change the team? Or... Yeah, it's too, it's too late for... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once the match is over, um, of course you go back home. Sorry, during the match, so we've seen like some coaches will scream at the top, but you're more reserved. You don't really <laughs> do that, right? Yeah. So Because they're older than me, I cannot say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no. But is that really important to... Um, Give out instructions from the again, everyone has their own styles, right? Um I I choose I choose to think that I'm quite conscious about when I say what I say. Mm. Right. I, I don't want to be like a stimulus response coach, right? Like anything I I'll be yelling and yelling and then the players will be like, Who is this crazy guy on the mm. pitch or off the pitch? So and, and that's why the way we train is important because we choose to we we want the players to be the decision makers on the pitch because we can the coaches cannot play mm. right the players are the ones that make their decisions and they execute the decisions that's why in training is the same and game the same and if they make a certain decision then i choose to believe that he made the decision because at that moment based on what he sees mm. that is the best choice yeah. right and that's why we want a self regulating team in that sense mm-hmm. so my job is to set the framework give them certain ideas certain strategies and then they go and find a how during the game through their skills and 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 their ability, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's why I I don't say a lot, right? Mm. My job is to be on the outside, observe the game, observe the opposition, or observe us, and I try to spot maybe certain things that we can do better or certain areas that we can capitalize on the opposition. Mm. So I might say a quiet word to Joe. Hey Joe, just think about this. You you we might get a chance from this or like Hey Joe, you need to get back a little bit more, or like Dan, hey, watch out for the line. Or, you, you know. Mm. So, so that that's my job from from the side. They they don't need me to be a rah rah coach, mm-hmm. right? They they need me to be. I think they need me to be calm, to give them information that will actually help the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so that is like how I approach game day, and that's why sometimes uh, I don't say a lot or I don't show a lot, right? Because after we score, <laughs> I need to think. Okay, what's the opposition going to do next? Mm-hmm. How are we going to defend the lead, or how are we going to score our next goal? Right? Or when we concede, I cannot be like, hey, you, you. no, I need mm. to think, okay, what can we do now to score the next goal? Mm, yep. and, and that's my job as a coach. You okay. know, that the and, and the players need us like that. Mm-hmm. 
So of course, after your your post match media responsibilities are over and whatnot, uh, you return back home. Do you straight away analyze the game that just finished, or do you wait a day and then you start in the morning? What what's your post match uh responsibilities like? So last season and, and this season as well, when we have a recovery days on 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 the the game day plus one mm-hmm. one day after, uh, we typically have it in the late afternoon. And so I've got from game finish to training time to clip, edit the the games and pick out the messages that I want to give so that when we come in for the meeting uh, or when we come in for the session, we have that meeting first and we go for the recovery session. So it depends. It depends. Um, I would go home, obviously get some food, but at the same time start stitching the clips together because it's two halves and then export the clip and then I might do one half at night then get some sleep wake up early in the morning continue and then once I clip the games right so I've clipped different moments and then I need to export the different moments and I need to choose okay what is my message for the team right where am I going with this and then once I've choose, chosen my my direction then I can okay this clip to show this this clip to show this okay when do I show what clip Mm. and then I need to think okay in this clip do I want to put any animations any arrows or then if I do that I need to edit on Final Cut right uh, and then I put it all into a presentation and then and then we go for the meeting mm. so and, yeah. so um, how do you like is it a very team based thing or do you still send maybe individual clips to certain players to say you gotta look out for this or this is a, a yeah. area you can improve. So so when I tag the games, when I tag the games, obviously I tag the 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 team moments, but I also tag individual moments. Like certain things that like oh um kill guy, you could have uh, maybe played to your right or left or, mm. or, or whatever. Then then I'll tag him and then um so typically, typically after the game, when when after the analysis session uh, session, I would the the players will also receive individual videos of themselves, like the ones that I clip. Mm. Um, for so every single player, you do this for every single player, or yeah, for every single yeah. one. Of them? So when when I watch the game, and that's why it takes very long to 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 analyze the game, because I'm doing the clipping as well. Mm-hmm. So 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 I'll tag, and then I, then after that I'll export all the different videos, and then I'll upload into a Google Drive, and then I'll send a link, and then the players got uh, got access mm-hmm. to their own videos. Mm-hmm. So so that's what we do for games, yeah. From the outside looking in, it seems like, uh, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, you know, disruptors are people who bring in new ideas, mm. fresh ideas. Uh, for yourself, do you sometimes feel like the facilities that we have in Singapore when it comes to football, it's uh, hard to do some things that you would love to do? And how do you mitigate that? Um, yeah, I think, um, obviously I've got, I, I've, I've got a lot of ideas, right? As to things that I want to do, and and obviously I understand why, why maybe we don't have certain resource, and and so again, like I always tell my players, so I need to practice what I preach. Right, I can either choose to think about the glass half full, uh, glass half empty, sorry, mm-hmm. or I try to think of ways I can, I can do what I want to do, but in a lesser way. So like a glass half full perspective. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of this video analysis, right? Other clubs, you might have someone doing it someone's responsibility yeah. just doing it all right but obviously I don't so or obviously we don't and so I find different ways around it right um, and, and and then the challenge is how do I try to bring new things with new ideas but but given stay within our resource and our budget but but not 
accepting the fact that we should stay behind because we, we lack something. You know, we don't want to be left behind. We always want to move forward. But then within what we have, how can we move forward? Basically, make the best of our resources. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. To, to squeeze every everything out. Mm-hmm. You know? And who do you look up to in terms of world football? Because you, you did mention like, you know, you took, you took some inspiration from here and there. Uh, at this moment, who, who are some of the coaches or, or teams that you look, look at when you want to analyze football? Well, different different coaches, I watch out for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, uh, obviously you, you have Guardiola and his football, you have Jürgen Klopp and his Jürgen, uh, Jürgen Pressing. Then you got Tuchel with his very um, regulating team with PSG and Dortmund. Mm-hmm. I, I love his Dortmund team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you got Nagelsmann and uh, Red Bull philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, Salzburg and Leipzig, they've got a very distinct philosophy. And then you got Marco Rose, Marco who's Rose. who who's doing a fantastic job as well with a very clear, distinct idea. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like it's great to see all these coaches with with very very clear um, ideas. And but but the the question for me is like, how do they get the ideas across? Because mm. it's easy to have idea. Everyone can have a, have ideas of how they want the team to play. But trying to influence and trying to convince a team to play the way you want to play, that's the hardest thing. And and that's the job of the the coaches, you know, to do the coaching. And that's why coaching can be quite long hours, right? I, I think people often forget that they, 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 it's like a, it's like the iceberg analogy, right? People only see coaches at training, which is just two hours on the mm. pitch. But actually like, um, like every day that like, I'm in the office by 7.30 a.m., right? Okay, work out at 7.30 a.m. in the office and I'll be reviewing yesterday's session, clipping, extracting the video, and then put it into a presentation for the video session on the day itself. And then I have to, to plan the session for the day. Right? Yeah. And so all this takes uh, a lot of hours that the people don't don't recognize. Mm-hmm. It's not just coming in and whiteboard yeah. and access and nose and pull out a few <laughs> markers. No, right? It's like, why do we set the pitch like this? Why is the distance like this? Why is the angle of the pitch like mm-hmm. this? Who do I want to partner with each other in training? Who do I want them to go up against each other in training? Uh, what are the limitations? Uh, what are the constraints that I want to give the player? What What do I want to afford the players to do? So a lot of questions that you ask f- just to plan one session. Um, and then, you know, you have to reflect on, on what you do. And, and that's why I think these are the things that I've taken from interviews that I've read of all these top coaches, right? Mm-hmm. One thing they have in common is they, they all reflect a lot. Like, like Eddie Howe, who, okay, I understand that Bournemouth could relegate a lot, but... Mm-hmm. His journey bringing Bournemouth up is is very respectable, and and him like a lot of these coaches, they reflect a lot, they ask a lot of questions, and and I think that is the way to go, right? You need to constantly evaluate yourself critically, uh, to see what can be done better, um, and then accept that you've made mistakes, right? Because um, it is an illusion that no one makes mistakes. So, so, so as coaches, you need to be brave enough to accept the fact that you have made a mistake. But then how do you learn and how do you evolve? How do you move forward, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what's fantastic. And, and the reason why I asked Gavin about what he does on a daily basis is because, let's face it, um, Gavin, your, your analysis and all, it's top-notch, but it's not something new in the realm of football. But one thing that he does it differently in a sense is where in, in Europe or even in some parts of Asia, you have a whole team mm. that works specifically yeah. on analysis. Uh, at Tampines, from what I've seen, uh, it's Gavin. They have a very small team of coaches. So Gavin, William, Farah, uh, you have Bull helping out with uh, logistics and whatnot. 
So for him to do everything by himself, that's fantastic. But do you ever sometimes look back in like, um, I wouldn't say look back, but do you sometimes feel frustrated? Like, come on, like, I, I would love uh, another team to help me. Uh, a, a specific team just to help me with my analysis. And do you think then perhaps you could focus more on actually coaching the team in other areas? Um, so firstly, it's not entirely a one-man job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because again, people only see the head coach and then they forget about the coaching team. But mm-hmm. Farah and William are, are very important mm-hmm. members of the team. Uh, Farah provides me with a lot of insights to his um, experience from from his days. and then And then I try to translate that into, okay, the knowledge that I can use for the team. But because, look, Farah is top player, top experience, and he's got a lot to offer, right? So, so he has been very important. Um, so, 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 yeah, uh, even though it's a small team, but sometimes, uh, again, I reflect on this. And, and, you know, when I was at JSSL, I was the general manager back then. I, I, had to do, I was doing coaching and I, had doing, I was helping with the marketing, the, the, the presentation deck, sponsorship deck. So I was doing everything. But then I learned so much from it as well, mm. right? And I, I choose to think that because analysis is a big part of, of football. Like I don't separate analysis from training mm. or analysis from game. I, I see all as one because your training is guided by your analysis. Your, your strategies are guided by your analysis. Right, because like if you okay, if you play FM, there is no analysis. Uh, you just <laughs> set your your lineup. I assume it's the same, right? You yeah. set your lineup, and you go and play. But but here, you're analyzing your opponent. You're analyzing your previous game, and then you 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 have to decide which players must play because of something. Uh, what style? Uh, like certain patterns might might need to happen because of something else. Um, uh, and and I find I find that quite 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 interesting. So. So it is hard work, but I find some fun in that actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you say then that if you had a team with for uh, doing the video analysis for you, it wouldn't be the same because it's not your work? Yeah, so it is It is something that I've struggled with, mm. right? Because um, one area that I need to improve in is delegation. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe mm-hmm. now we don't have a lot of stuff to delegate yeah. to, right? But but hopefully in the future I get to work with a bigger team then the challenge for me is how do I delegate because obviously I've done certain I've done things in a certain way and and I guess this is where I have to I have to set clear framework for the team as to what I expect from them and, and stuff like this but but still you know I think that I I feel that coaches should analyze should, should do their own analysis mm. but be supported by by a whole team mm-hmm. oh, okay. because for a coach, let's say I'm the head coach, I'm looking at maybe at a team perspective. But if I've got um, other staff helping, they might be able to focus on individual segments that maybe I, then I don't have to spend that much time on. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm just, I'm looking out from a more zoomed out position and they are more zoomed in. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that would be a very nice compliment. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. And, Gavin, we follow each other on social media and I know there's a lot of aspect of uh, we choose to show what we want to show. Uh, but for me, it seems like you're obsessed with football. You know, every time I'm I a boring you, guy. <laughs> I, I'm not saying a boring guy, but I mean, I, I share a certain... <laughs> I, I love football as much and, and all, but because of your role in coaching, you you are always so invested in your team. And then, of course, I'm sure you watch your fair share of football as well, European football and whatnot. Do you sometimes regret um, 
because of football, you being detached from your social life or do you still have time for your social life? And uh, one question I wanted to ask is, do you have a partner at the moment? Is she able to have the time uh, spent with you as much as you spend with football? Okay, hold on. Just I just want to say that I've seen Gavin like really engrossed in his work when uh, when I walk walk around in uh, Tampines Hub. See him just engrossed on his laptop and just doing work. And like, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't disturb this guy. <laughs> I've seen him a few times. <laughs> um, okay, so there are quite a few questions there. <laughs> Firstly, yes, I have a partner. She is a designer, a very good designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is also very invested in what she do, okay. uh, what she does. Uh, and, and she accepts that I, I am also very passionate about what I what I do, right? Football and coaching. Um, and, and, and so th- she understands and we have a very nice compliment in that sense. Um, but at this, so because I've been, what, 10 years coaching now, maybe a little bit more. The first nine years, I was, I was like just football, right? Fo- there is no social, uh, football is life, right? Football coaching was life. I was working Monday to Sundays. I was working 10, 12 hours days. Um, and then when I was not working, I was reading or I was uh, watching games, analyzing games. I was doing stuff that I didn't need to do, right? But I just felt that, look, I am the outsider trying to come in. I, If I do get an opportunity, I need to be ready or at least I need to be able to explain why I'm good enough to be around, right? Because I accept, I accept the fact that perhaps I'm not, I'm not in the football circle in 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 that sense because I was I was a youth coach and many people saw me as a youth coach which which, which was no problem for me because I wanted to be the best youth coach I could be as well but um in order to get there I knew I had to get more knowledge right and then how do I get more knowledge Alex Weaver said go and buy a Kindle read right then obviously reading a few books and then it, you know when you read one book then then you read one article then it just leads you to other avenues, other books, and 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 that just grew, and then that 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 the joy of reading and getting new knowledge it just grew and 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 hasn't stopped since. That's fantastic. I think, uh, as I as I always ask you, I mean, I think you you do have a interest to always learn. Um, does it also be stem from the fact that you always want to do more than the average man? Is that is that the basic philosophy when it comes to that? I think it's it's ingrained with me. Uh, from my dad as well. He's always say like, if you're going to do something, make sure you you do your best, mm. right? So so I think that that stuck with me. And and, and Kade was also someone like that. So if you're going to do something, make sure you 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 do your very best. Whether or not you can be the best at it, that that's a second uh, conversation. That that's another conversation. But did you actually put your your hundred percent best, right? So so that's something I always ask myself. Did I use my time wisely? Did I could I have used that? That, that time to to go and read up uh, instead of playing FM. No offense, but <laughs> I gave up FM long time ago because I I didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Right? So so I was, uh, okay, no, I, I'd rather spend time reading a book or analyzing a game because that's going to help me. Not so much playing <laughs> FM, <laughs> yep, unfortunately, yep. right? Yes. If, if FM can help me become a better coach, trust me, I'll be on it like <laughs> 22 hours in, <laughs> in yes. a day. Uh, before we move on to rapid fire round, um, I know Tampines uh, with Desmond in charge and all have a long-term plan and, and they want to do what's best for the club and all. From a personal perspective, where do you see your career heading? Um, of course, I'm sure you have ambitions to to coach at a higher level. 
uh, what is this higher level and how do you intend on getting there and is the national team job on the horizon? <laughs> um, honestly, I don't think so far. Right? Because I, I choose to be quite focused on, on the present and now because I've got, I, I got no direct control of my future. Mm-hmm. I can only control what, what's happening now and if I want to have, let's say, a better future, then I need to do well now. And that has always been my my approach uh, in, in in life and in my journey so far. So, so you know, yes, definitely, I want to compete in the in the top competitions. You know, you, you want to challenge yourself in the biggest platform, and that's why the Champions League is quite a that's quite a prestigious tournament, and it's quite exciting. And that's why when 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 I found out that Singapore would have a direct spot into it, you know, that that fuels me even more. I I I didn't think I could be fueled even more, but you know, this this pushed me even more because I really want to go and compete in, in those settings, right? Because last year when we played Hanoi, oh, that was fantastic. They're the champions of Vietnam and rightly so. And and when we played them at Jalan Besar, it was like an international game, right? And tactically, it was a good challenge for for, for me and the team. And, and, and you know, you, you come out from those games like, oh, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it's like, how can I get more games like this, right? So I need to do well now um, so that Hopefully in the future I got more of such games. Uh, where that can be, I, I don't know. You know, I just hope for the best by by doing my my best now. For the non-Singapore football fans listening, uh, what Gavin is referring to is actually the AFC Champions League. Uh, where the winner of this year's Singapore Premier League, whenever that resumes, will go on to have a direct group stage berth uh, yeah. at next season's AFC Champions League. So let's move on to the rapid fire round, powered by Active Fit. Five questions they will need an immediate answer to. I'll start off with the first one, which Wait. is. Define immediate. <laughs> first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah, first okay. thing that comes to your mind, basically. Uh, who is one player who you would love to work with? Ah, this is tough. Um, local player or international player? Local player. I must say this before because I have been very fortunate to have worked with a lot of the national players already, you know, given this short span of time. So I've worked with most of them. I enjoy working with all of them. And and you know I I there isn't one right now that I can really think of that that I would die to work with. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I will accept <laughs> that. Uh, you're a Phew. bookworm. <laughs> you're a bookworm. Um, one book basically who which you recommend and why? It can it doesn't have to be a football or sports specific book. Basically, one book that you recommend to only one. Book. Okay. Um, leg- only one. Legacy by James Kerr. So it's a book about the culture of the All Blacks. Um, you know where because the All Blacks are the are the best team in, in, in world rugby right one of the best but obviously you can, you can argue that so they historically the best yeah so this this author has in, has spent time with them investigated why they are the best and it's not about like what they do right it's how they do things it's the standards they set in training the culture they set that has led to this consistency and, and that was a very good insightful book for me Mm-hmm. Okay. Third question. If you weren't in football or sports, what would you be doing? <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. I I I um <laughs> not designing. Huh? No, no, I, 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 I'm not I'm not very no, I I I really don't know. I, I <laughs> PE teacher maybe. <laughs> PE teacher, okay. You, maybe okay. teacher, yeah, because mm-hmm. um yeah, I I do enjoy giving seminars and and talks and and all. But when I speak to coaches, when yeah, I I, I like the the teaching aspect as well. Okay, okay. Next question: Who do you think our next guest should be? 
Someone you recommend. <laughs> someone I recommend. Um, someone you want to hear from. His stories, maybe. <laughs> um, again, when you say immediate, that's why I asked you for a definition of immediate. <laughs> you can take your time. We have all night. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to stay here until you answer it. <laughs> someone who you think would give us really good insight into anything. Yeah, or just maybe someone who you love to know about, more about. Um, I, I think two, two, okay, two individuals, right? Two, two individuals. I wouldn't say one. Two. Firstly, I think Farah. Farah is a good, you know, Farah and his contributions to, to Singapore football. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear his story. I get to hear his stories almost every day and, and I think a lot of fans should, should get that opportunity to, to hear him out. Mm. Um, other one is Noraman. I'm very, mm. I'm quite close with Noraman because we did our badges together. Mm, okay. And for me, he's also someone with interesting stories because he has also come from a professional playing career and now as a professional coach. You know, I think these people have a lot to share uh, about their playing and their coaching experience and, and what they have learned from their previous coaches and th- this kind of stuff intrigues me, you know. Okay, fantastic. The last question is, what is your wish for Singapore football? No, I, I wish for Singapore football to to be at a level where um, where we are competing regularly with our Asian counterparts, not just ASEAN but Asian counterparts. Because I think if we can do that, then then we we are holding ourselves uh, in, in a good regard. Okay. Do you think we're far off or? I as with a lot of things. You know, process and progress needs time, mm. right? But I think we we just need to zoom out and understand what what needs to be done to get us there first, before actually giving us the time. Mm. Right, fantastic! Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the final whistle. Uh, wish you the best. Thank eventually, you. when the season resumes, pleasure. Uh, great conversation that we had today. Yeah, thanks man. so much. Thanks for coming. Thanks, guys. Kabir, uh, a fantastic episode today. Mm. I think uh, we've had different coaches on the on the, yeah. on the podcast before but I thought today was different in a sense where a coach actually gave us insights into how he does his work mm. uh, be it on the pitch or off the pitch or analysis tactics wise uh, a very fascinating insight into his life I would say as a yeah. coach how how do you find today's episode? Uh, I think he's obsessed bro and I think he's class but in the first place uh, I don't think that most coaches in Singapore right now has the same obsession or the same um, commitment, if you will. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, shitting on anyone, but for this guy to be to start his day at seven thirty and then end his day late at night and then restart again and then it's go all the way, it's commendable. And I think Templins are in really good hands. Uh. Yeah, Templins are in really good hands. Uh, and I think kudos to them first and foremost to Desmond because. Uh, in Singapore, I don't think you have mm. people who are brave enough to give yeah. someone like Gavin a job. Mm. So kudos to Desmond for that. And and I don't think he's just brave enough. He knows what he's doing. He mm. knew that it's going to take some time for, for Gavin to get his real uh, know-how and expertise yeah. into the Tampines team. And, and another thing that I, I realized today was also just take football away. I think Gavin is just someone who is always hungry to learn, yeah. um, always in the know about things. Uh, this this facet of being a bookworm yes, I know that sometimes people look at bookworms and realize ah, could you do something else with your life you know that kind of thing yeah. but it's just the desire to learn mm. which will help you in any industry that you're in which is something that I always talk about 
we really need to keep learning. Like the moment you know or you think that you know enough, mm. that's when that's a problem. And Gavin is total contrast to that where he yeah. knows that he knows Tampines are playing the best football in, in the league, yeah. the country, but he still thinks he can grow more, he can learn more. And he passes that on to his players. We, we, we had Jordan Webb in the studio talking about how he he read some books that uh, yeah. Gavin recommended to him. So a yeah, fantastic guy. And I really love how he how open he was to, yeah. to bring us into his world of coaching. And another thing that I realized that when he speaks, he does he speaks with confidence, but also there's a bit, uh, there's a little bit of um humbleness if you if if you will. So I think he doesn't say that I know or oh I'm 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 this I'm this I think this is what the players want from me. I mm-hmm. think this is what I should do. Mm-hmm. I mean it's that that his his mindset is just like okay I know this is I I know this is I should do this, but it may not be what I really should do but I think this is the best thing and I mean it's it speaks for it speaks for itself lah. yeah commendable mm. uh, I hope you guys also uh, the listeners uh, enjoyed this episode yeah. and uh, actually listening to his stories actually it sounds like it was meant to be like it's fated for him to be a coach mm-hmm. but, mm. but I guess you work for your own luck in yeah. a sense and, and that's it for this episode of The Final Whistle I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode uh, do follow us on our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook as well as Twitter. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Right, this so is next week. the final whistle.